0: Hey there, Archons. Zach here ahead of the episode with a special note. The next three episodes you're going to see in the feed are my audio logs from Keyforge Celebration. I'll be doing them for days one, two, and three. Doing interviews, uh, recaps of games, uh, my thoughts as we go along from each day of Keyforge celebration. Now, we here at Call of Discovery usually do more evergreen content, but as you can tell from the past handful of episodes, we've been following the Keyforge news a bit more closely just because it's such a special time in Keyforge's life before the start of 2023 and after the Ghost Galaxy acquisition. And GameFound campaign. So I'm going to cover these. Hopefully, these will be little time capsules into what it was like to go to the first official KeyForge event in person uh, in, gosh, three years. It's been a long time coming. I'm already a bit emotional, to be honest. And I hope this either serves as a lovely recap of the event, if you were able to go, uh, or even more, if you weren't able to go for any number of reasons, that you listen to these as they come out or you go back and listen to them. And hopefully it feels like I took you along with me, dear listener. Now, with all that said, the episode.
1: Hello and welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we invite you on a journey into the crucible for a celebration of all things Keyforge, its wonderful community and of course the excitement of discovery. I am your co-host Ed and I'm here with it's the one and only Armstrong, it's Zach Armstrong. How you doing mate?
0: Uh, Ed, um, so it's a new set, and so I've been renamed, um, um, I'm not even, I'm not even sweaty, Zach. I'm crystallized, Zach. Uh, I touched some dark amber. I've got the blue crystals poking out of me at very inconvenient angles, uh, I've got to say. Um, and I've been, uh, yeah, I've got the mutant trait now. I don't even have the human trait anymore, which is freaky, so I really have a lot to process. Um, Crystal Surge puts amber onto me, which it didn't before. I'm just, I'm really worried about what this means oh no what's yeah. the prognosis uh, uh i i don't know uh, i went to my doctor um uh doc uh doc booked in um but they just laughed evilly and played cards off the top of their deck until i left so i mean was, to be to be fair disturbing.
1: yeah that, that 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 sounds like a bad experience you should probably yeah. refer that to someone um, yeah there was
0: a skik on there so it wasn't good for anybody
1: it's really not good it's really not good well this is i trigger i trigger
0: dark amber vault now though which is exciting
1: (laughs) Uh, it sounds like zach you've had a mutation of some sort
0: it's been a massive mutation but only (laughs) one it's not mutations it's just it's been one mass mutation
1: mass mutation not mass mutations. Um
0: <laughs> You 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 and Blake are in good company there. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Blake who I met the other day, Zach.
0: That's right. Blake has met both of us in person just like we've met in person, me and Ed, dear listener. Audio <laughs> podcast <not> wink. <laughs> it's That's still not auditory true. wink.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love an auditory no. wink. Um no. So we are getting back to one of our traditional podcast formats today, that's right. aren't we, Zach? That's uh, right. I, I, a
0: series, a series that's
1: continuing. <laughs> I love a good series. Me I too. love a good series. No, dear listener, we are going to get back to, to more regular content or more standard content in the new year, but there's so much excitement this year. We've got to keep giving you all of the excitement as as we hear it and as we see it, but... This episode, we are looking back on uh, potentially one of our most loved sets, potentially Mm. one of our most hated sets. We'll find out. I think it's probably more the former than the latter. (laughs) Um, But we're going to talk about it in a lot of depth. We're going to cover off essentially a look back on that set and its impact on the community, what was going on at the time, what happened through the life cycle of that set, We're going to take a look at some of the mechanics, take a look at how the set operates in the the wider ecosystem of Keyforge, the wider universe of decks from different sets. We're then going to have a look at some of the different cards in the set and and uh, grant them the fabled Call of Discovery awards. Um, Exactly. And then we're going to take a look at how the set might change in the future, how the set might relate to future sets and possibly even future formats that we play in.
0: Yes, that's right. Uh, Mass Mutation. Uh, yes, it's a great set. I've met very few detractors of it. Uh, we can talk about the sealed experience a little bit uh, and some other worries. But overall, I think this set was um, a big success for uh, a lot of reasons and uh, got made KeyForge even Key Forgier.
1: Exactly, exactly. I love a bit of Keyforge when it's Keyforge. Um but this set came at a bit of a sad time, didn't it? It was released it it on did. July the 10th, 2020. And I I can't think was there something big that happened in 2020 because
0: uh hard... yes, I I became a Call of Discovery host in January, so that was pretty Did sick. you actually no, Nothing nothing could have Nothing could have topped that. <laughs> nothing could have drowned out that noise. <laughs> Uh but yeah that it released uh it was supposed to have a slightly earlier release but it was released uh d- during the early days of the pandemic which still has its ripple effects many people are in in some places and ways you know back to meeting in bigger events with relative safety but that's not quite true everywhere but um yeah it, it was the first set to drop during uh during the pandemic which i mean just the the one of the just one of my biggest feelings about that was the set was overall so successful and so loved that man. I really think it was just so sad to know that 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 was this set was gutted of its chance to really be in people's hands, in people you know playing in person, uh, getting sealed vault tours, all that sort of thing. There was so much excitement to be had around the set that we could have had, um, but still a well loved set. But so yeah, so so much missed for it there. So much missed for it.
1: I could I couldn't agree more. I mean putting things together for today's conversation I was really struck by the fact that I haven't really played this set as much as I would like to. Mm. Um and that's because I'm a I'm an in-person gamer. I like the social side of things and there wasn't really much in-person stuff going on. So I've played a lot of Mass Mutation with my partner. Uh, but aside from that, yeah, I haven't really got much game time for the set, which is a, a real shame. Because yeah. it is it is such an incredible set, um, and we, we're we're going to get into that get into that yeah.
0: shortly. After after it came out, I was blessed to have a, uh, a, a another just um, you know health conscious friend who had a back porch. Um, we tested and as much as we could, like before we met, and this was in the earlier days, right? And we actually played on his back porch, sitting a full ten feet apart, and we would scoot up. <laughs> You know, ten to fifteen feet apart, and we would scoot up to the the game the playing, you know, our game spot, the table in the middle for our turn. Then when your turn was over, you would walk back. <laughs> and I we played through a display that way over several visits. So shout out to uh K March. Many of you may have uh played him on the Crucible or in some leagues, uh, but we had quite quite a time, quite a time testing out mass mutation decks that way. <laughs>
1: Oh, I'm so glad that you got got the chance to do that, I think, yeah. because it's um it needs to be played in person, right? Particularly this set, because of the uh the interactions with some of the enhancements that we'll go on to and talk about in a second. But yeah, just as an overall, we had no new houses introduced in this set, but three new I guess mechanics or uh or things that matter in the mm-hmm. set. Uh, themes. The, yeah. themes yeah exactly which we're going to be talking about in a second but talking of themes i think the flavor in this set was really really fun we had so many characters that we knew and loved from the first two sets in particular coming back and and doing interesting things often sort of as different versions of themselves thinking here about niffle kong um rad penny mm-hmm. um, Citizen uh, tricks exactly uh Mm -hmm. subject kirby was it subject that's right yeah
0: yeah yeah subject kirby that's right i think that theme uh, the theme of the mutation of the dark amber was really on point because you have the 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 chase rare dark amber vault that can appear in any house that uh, is obviously very strong artifact can appear in any house it's card number uh zero or one i think one in the set that gives all friendly mutants plus two power and then it says after you play a mutant draw a card so uh and this ended up this ends up being a very strong effect and it can technically appear in multiples though it's not you know doesn't do that much and just the theming on mutant effects and the design of the action cards and artifacts and creatures that interacted with mutants and and all of the different um the different ways the mechanics interacted with that trait was uh really well done really well done and of course you can't talk about mass mutation without talking about the introduction of enhancements where uh now dear listener um you know if you're a, a key forge you know through 2022 die hard listening to this you already know all about enhancements and I'm thinking they're sticking around so future people you probably know what they are too right but it's you know enhanced within then two pips of some kind draw damage capture or amber that uh, during the deck generation process are randomly put on another card. And the amount of discovery you can have in a mass mutation deck with where your pips land, like a damage pip on a gateway to disk to pop wards, or a capture pip on a spoils of battle to capture additional amber. Um, Like, my gosh, it's just so fun. I, I opened a key frog with three damage pips in a deck with resurgence key forge of course having two power and it says destroyed that you may forge a key at current cost so like i can just forge a key like you know for no extra amber and then resurge the thing it's so fun it's so fun um yeah so uh i think mass mutation fired on fired on all cylinders there and we we tossed this out to uh, uh twitter and our uh, our patreon people on uh discord Brabnar89. Really wanted to, you know, really mentioned how did this, how do you, how did this be, what is, how was this affected by dropping early in the pandemic, right? And I mean, I think the short answer is just, it didn't get its due. It was such a good set. Uh, I was listening to TTR, the Tabletop Royale guys recently, and they talked about this, how Mass Mutation was such a good set in so many ways that, that Age of Ascension wasn't for the general card playing community who tried it out that man if that crowd who had kind of soured on keyforge during age of ascension had gotten their hands on mass mutation like i have great hope for the the game's future now with ghost galaxy but man that trajectory would have been set so high if those people could have played mass mutation in person i think
1: so yeah uh, and if we look at the wider backdrop keyforge had so much momentum coming into this set it had possibly you know the optimum type of event series that any any sort of game like keyforge could have with a global vault tour it was getting a lot of uh a lot of interest it was just settling down and all of a sudden this this world altering event happens and means that you can't do the one thing you actually want to do uh to play keyforge and that is come together yeah. with other people um yeah the game didn't have quite so much of the um how to put it asset um a draw that maybe a magic the gathering or a flesh and blood had um and you know as a result i think it was was always going to be slightly difficult but oh my goodness sack i would have bought so many mass mutation decks (laughs) if uh if i'd been in person because of just what you said that sense of Discovery, uh, mm-hmm. the call of discovery would have been too strong not to. Um, but no, we got on the flip side. It was a, a relatively underprinted set, I think, because of because of everything that was going on. Because they probably had time to limit the print run um, with knowledge that the pandemic was a thing. Um, and yeah, that's that certainly led to crazy high prices for mass mutation here in UK and Europe. Um, um, I don't know what it's yeah. like in the u s
0: yeah they they've stayed reasonable uh but of course you've we've heard stories of several places in Europe just running out of mass mutation because I think um the last part of rob nine's question was you know how did that affect ways of playing the game? I think what happened is everybody who was just really enraptured by this game, who especially had momentum coming out of that vault tour season into the pandemic saw just how much promise and how much oh, just I mean awesomeness to be <laughs> to be blunt <laughs> this set had. So people were people were buying it up. People, you know, the the Keyforge different Keyforge teams that have come and gone since then, people were buying up decks, looking for the best ones, trying to find the best, uh, the best archetypes inside of this set uh i would recommend jumping over to um there's a couple a couple different podcasts like the Nordic Keyforge podcast uh there is um one uh Nordic Keyforge podcast episode where they talk about their their signature format Nordic Hexad and they talk about the kind of really top tier deck that comes out of mass mutation uh that they're calling crush which is no matter how many times you board wipe it they're always going to be just dumping really great creatures onto the board, constantly archiving, generating Amber speed all the time. And, and there's just all sorts of fun cross house synergies in this set, uh, all sorts of fun, um, uh, artifacts and creatures that, uh, I think people play were able to play it online, you know, shout out to, to TCO keeping it alive there and with, uh, being able to assign the enhancements. So TCO helped keep it alive. And I think this is really, um, a deeply meaningful set for the people who played KeyForge through the pandemic uh, because it was our, it was an amazing thing. Uh, and it was, it came to us in July of 2020 and it had to carry us through about a year, uh, a year of no new sets and, you know, not a whole lot of news from fantasy flight.
1: Yeah. And I think it probably was the perfect set to do that. Right. Because it mm. had that staying power you could legit open hundreds of decks of this set and they'd all do slightly different things. And, you know, you're still going to get that discovery because of those enhancements.
0: Yes. And I I will say with enhancements, it went from the unique deck game to uh, Ghost Galaxy is now calling it, you know, uh, the unique card game. Uh, But I literally, as far as decks that are registered, have a unique card in Keyforge because I have a Maverick with a enhancement and I checked via decks of Keyforge all the other registered decks and nobody else has registered a sanctum subtle auto with an Amber pip on it. All the other decks with sanctum subtle autos, none of them are either enhanced or there's no Amber enhancement pips in the deck. So like I've got this literally this one card that, uh, there might be nobody else in the world who has that exact card in my deck. That's already unique. So, yeah, it just it just turned that kind of that special that special part of Keyforge up to eleven for me.
1: And if we're skipping towards enhancements here, let's talk about some of those unintended consequences of of enhancements. Things like the fact that it's harder to evaluate the the value of the deck, the power of the deck on decks of Keyforge because of the random nature of those enhancements because for most people they're not going to go through all their decks and and update where are the enhancements on decks of Keyforge. and that's because it's not included in the algorithm so when it comes on to um when 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 a deck gets registered the the registration doesn't know where the amber is it doesn't know where the enhancements lie and that makes it exciting um, but also, I think probably presented some challenges for for TCO, um, and and makes it difficult for 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 probably Ghost Galaxy moving forward to use this.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is, that is an unfortunate side effect, and there is the the very corner case that if you know there's cash tournaments or something, or the game gets a lot more popular, there's the possibility that people could uh, get cards printed with an ideal. PIP placement. Now, there's some mathematical, you know, limitations if you know how many cards are enhanced. That's been a concern that, you know, people have have noted without having having that data. Fortunately, I don't think that's anything we're going to have to deal with anytime soon, uh, anytime soon uh, at all. But uh, Ghost Galaxy has stated they, you know, as they are generating new decks with enhancements uh, for their sets going forward, that that data will be saved. I assume it will be uh, visible in, in, uh, the, uh, whatever their version of the master vault, uh, becomes at least at time of recording that's not launched. So, um, yeah, yeah, there were some complications there. There were some complications there. Uh, shout out to the coders though, who, when, (laughs) when there's a deck where it only has one possible, uh, place for all the enhancements to go, like there's mathematically there's, you know, four draw pip enhancements and four enhanced cards then, uh, like on DOK and TCO and, And uh, some of Sky Jedi's work, the boop, they just pop the enhancement right on there on the deck list. (laughs) And and Zach, what's
1: your feeling on the power level of enhancements overall? Were they truly OP or were they
0: about right? Uh, About right, leaning towards a little bit powerful. You have your cards like Gloria as an attendant that is simply a one power creature that enhances with two amber pips. Uh, now, I think that's pretty well-balanced. You're generally not going to be terribly excited about a one-power creature, although it is a mutant, so you might have some synergies. Uh, and that's really kind of the baseline. Uh, then you have stuff that's a bit worse, like a goodness mutant cut purse uh, that is simply a three-power villainal creature and shadows with three damage pips. Uh, but then you have the stuff that's either... that's really interesting and really powerful, and some of it, uh, of course, the, the greatest offender and perhaps being too powerful... Um, is Cronus, the three power logos creature that enhances with two draw pips that says after you resolve a, um, you know, a draw pip bonus icon, you may archive a card. Uh, now that ends up being really powerful in some faster decks. Um, I think it's the the only one I'm aware of that people are really really worried about the power level of. You certainly have, um, I'm seeing in our notes here, you know, M4a Captura, uh, yeah. which has a very high win rate calculated on decks of Keyforge. Um, things like Maleficorn has a lot of value with damage pips. So I think there are some offenders in in power creep as far as things that benefit from enhancements being played. Uh, however, I think uh, most of them are generally as unfair as some other high-end stuff has been um, in other sets, just maybe a bit more common with, with Cronus being an, an uncommon card. So something to watch out for. Uh, something to watch out for, and we'll we'll see what answers come in future sets. Right towards <laughs> drop hips and archiving.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And for a Captura, by the way, is the the card with the highest win rate in in mm. the set. Um, That's it's right. Above even Dark Ambervolt, which which is it's it's one of those cards that just sits in your deck and it doesn't look it doesn't look threatening, but it's it's a real support, isn't it? It bolsters everything else. That's I, right. I just and, want to say yeah. so, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Uh, yeah, and I'll say Amphora Captura because it uh, is a one-set rare. Uh, so if you're not familiar, you likely are. But if you're not familiar, it's a rare artifact in and, and It's an item. It has enhanced two amber pips, two damage pips, two draw pips, which is already bonkers. And it has the passive text when resolving a bonus icon. You may choose to resolve it as a capture bonus icon instead, uh, which is uh, pretty bonkers. You have a lot of effects... That just turns anything into Amber Control. You can combo that with Scrivener Fabian, who turns a Capture Pip into a Steel. Uh, lots of different combos that can happen there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and Zach, I get your point about Card Draw and Kronos, but I still think about Card Draw quite differently in Keyforge. And I'd much rather, unless it's on a Logos or surrounded by Logos with lots of archiving potential... I'd much rather have a capture or a an amber or or even some spot damage because you know frankly in keyforge isn't it more like one third of a card you draw because yes. you, you might not be able two thirds of a chance are you'd actually just draw it at the end of your turn anyway and you wouldn't be able to play it so unless you've got house cheating unless you've got a good amount of archiving available to you on the turn that you get to use that it's not really going to add that much value
0: yeah in a in a standard Cronus deck that's just run of the mill that that's going to be the the situation where you're only going to have a handful of draw hips maybe two maybe four uh, once you start getting up to like six seven eight and depending on placement that's where it starts to really uh this is kind of a, a higher end archon solo concern with with cronus uh, i think in just any regular old deck if you're playing sealed and you get one cronus and no other drop pips uh it's going to be a good card uh but it's not gonna it's not gonna overpower your opponent on its own. um awesome. in, a, in a sealed environment i think that i think generally that amber is going to do a bit more work
1: cool so coming back a bit to a higher level and you know we we are we're looking back at previous keyboard sets here and people have just come away from worlds collide which yeah arguably had some variance in power level between houses (laughs) uh with (laughs) (laughs) your mighty strong house obviously um and you know so zach firstly do you think that mass mutation did a better job of getting more balance between power variants and houses and secondly do you think that there was a better job done of power variance between decks?
0: Uh, the short answer is yes. I think the houses were relatively balanced. Logos was still kind of the you know just the the favorite child, of course, with a number of blazingly fast things. Dis remained uh, good at some steel. And and destroyed effects and uh, essence scale being an absolutely top tier card, uh, but all the other houses can really pull their weight. You do have setups in most other houses in mass mutation that are uh, are pretty good. And this is you know speaking generally. If you're going to take something to a you know a weekly night or you're opening it in sealed, all the houses have some some setups that are just going to really. Really, just go. Shadows was um, a bit weaker this time. They they like to keep tacking on, uh, keep tacking on requirements you need to meet before you can steal. With the exception of like bow kniving, um, I mean, it had a requirement. It was just a great one. So I think they did great spreading out uh, the power amongst the different houses. You still have the houses doing a lot of the things you're used to with some new mutant stuff, um, and no house feels totally left behind like Brabnar did, like Brabnar felt. In worlds collide everybody really had something there's there are good setups uh there are good lineups in each house um uh, in each house in this set and i think uh as far as competition goes like there's plenty of of mass mutation decks that are just clunky and i guess this is a place to mention that the sealed experience uh a lot of people had the experience where if you don't have creature control in your mass mutation sealed deck you're gonna have a bad time because there's a lot of creatures there's a lot of effects on creatures lots of decision points lots of play effects lots of destroyed effects lots of very effective creatures and so if you can't keep up on controlling the board and usually just being able to fight stuff is not enough you have to be cycling uh you have to be efficient with your action card removal uh, you're not gonna have a great time. There are often feelings of a lack of agency. There is that feeling that, you know, card game designers have talked about where you want to generate the feeling that, um, you know, you 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 aren't without options, that you always have options to play, that you have a chance at this at a game. And sometimes in Mass Mutation Seal that just didn't work. You can go back to Tate TR's Tournament of Champions and just watch Nathan Starwalt's face in the <laughs> the early rounds of that uh, as he just gets super you know super angry at the deck he's playing cuz he doesn't feel like he can he can really uh you know pull out pull out a w there um i will say just as another experiential note uh, our our little scene here in my town has mostly just played mass mutation sealed uh and i don't know if it's just we have a bunch of nerds who love decision points uh or have just gotten a bit luckier with our mass mutation pulls but Uh, Our scene loves Mass Mutation Sealed. We're working through a pile of it at our friendly local game store, and people love opening Mass Mutation decks uh, for Sealed. Not that we have much option right now, but um, so some ups and downs with Sealed, but uh, I think the the power level disparity isn't so bad that um, you're going to roll your eyes because somebody opens something that will only stomp you. If you have some of the common and uncommon creature removal tools, you're going to have a chance in Mass Mutation Sealed. So...
1: Zach, great point about, I think, the things you need in each set to be competitive and to have a fun play experience are different and completely agree with you on the creature control thing on this one. However, the stats also agree with you that there is very little variance between houses in this set from Decks of Keyforge. They put Sanctum and Star Alliance very slightly behind... Whilst Dis and Logos are very slightly ahead, but you know, frankly, you might have a deck with a really strong Logos um, Star Alliance Sanctum, for instance, and you might have a really, really <laughs> sure. bad Dis Logos and Untamed deck. So you know, I don't, oh, I don't sure. think it's, I don't think it's because of enhancements spreading the love so much as they do. Um, you know, I would question the ability of stats to properly capture. The, the complexity of this yeah. set.
0: I think each house's kind of standard deviation is 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 you know pretty tiny. I've played some uh, in a net deck tournament, essentially played some really high end Star Alliance, and there are some decks that really love using Font of the Eye from Sanctum, the uh, the artifact that says, "Omni, if an enemy creature was destroyed this turn, capture an Amber," uh, which especially in multiples is just so good. So, yeah, I think each house can really. Each house has a has a has a top tier, some top tier cards and some top tier setups as far as pure strength goes. Um, and it's pretty easy not to feel left in the dark if you get to pick from a few sealed decks. Uh, you, just, you just need that creature control. The the nights that I sweep with mass mutation, it's when I have creature curl and control in every house at locals. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. how
1: about power creep? Uh, because you know, going out and and getting questions from listeners both sky jedi and karen brown mentioned Mm. power creep and karen said you know is there power creep and if so how can the game find answers without further power creep
0: yeah yeah so i think i'm not ready to call this set power creep until i see the power level of other sets as far as what you might pull in sealed what you're going to be looking for for an archon solo deck or excuse me uh, the the tentative title um uh, just archon deck uh archon standard so i think i think there is some i think there is a bit power creep i don't think it was purely intentional i think just with how decks were generated what was at common what enhancements were on what rarities that sort of thing I think that some of the top end decks ended up being pretty strong. I think though, uh, power creep will only be power creep. If this set, if this set, at least in an, you know, Archon standard setting, an Archon setting, if these top decks can continue to regularly beat other top decks from future sets, then I would kind of, you know, uh, uh, looking back, call it power creep. Um, so we'll see. We'll see there there might be decks that can keep up with this kind of throw tons of creatures onto the board stuff. Uh there might be decks that people have yet to pull out and practice with and discover just because they don't look great in other matchups right now, so people haven't really picked those out and there might be stuff in future sets uh either, you know, either Winds of Exchange or Grim Reminders that that really push against this so uh it's kind of a lame answer but just given the nature of key forge and matchups i'd say uh i say i'm gonna have to wait and see if it's power creep
1: <laughs> yeah no right? I, I, and yeah. once again the stats albeit are they accurate in this set uh, we, we got to question that you know their accuracy in sets one to three without all of the uh all of the um amber and capture and all of these lovely things on different cards i think it was easier, but now it's a bit harder. But that, that shows this set as being the most powerful on average of all of them. Um, but it's not by a large margin. And um, interestingly, yeah. Kota is second.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that, that that's why I, I, my favorite thing about Keyforge, one of them, oh, I can't say my one favorite thing. I just have so many favorite things about Keyforge, <laughs> is, is matchups, which is why I think mass mutation decks, I think if. If you held a if you paid for everybody's airfare and said, okay, everybody bring your top Archon solo decks. We're gonna do we're gonna do best of three. I think a lot of it would be mass mutation from what we've seen in online play. Uh, I think actual local meta local metas are gonna look a little bit different. And I think as people uh, as people Uh, look to answer the meta both with future sets and other kinds of decks they have in their collection Uh, i think that may churn a bit i don't think mass mutation is so far ahead uh, so far ahead that it'll leave everything else in the dust mostly because mass mutation doesn't have uh doesn't have a whole lot of uh, otk you know one turn kill setups that are just going to combo out and forge all three keys what they have is a lot of speed a lot of good creatures, a lot of amber control, uh, so they're just really good decks, but they're not winning off of a combo, which I think leaves room for other decks to match up uh, against them with. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. they've been dominating online. We'll see what holds up in, in real life. because we, we've done it before with or we've the designers did it before with world's Collide and like bringing in key cost increase and steel hate, you know there are ways that they could they could really help uh, help out against mass mutation.
1: And and what you said there about there's no one combo winning games for you, I think was reflected. I was looking through the set trying to find uh, for for our award ceremony, Zach, uh, who would be the uh, contenders for most infamous card. And, you know, if you look back through the past three sets, you've got these really infamous cards, of course, drama, theater, havoc, chaos, and there weren't really so many in Mass Mutation, um, which is also kind of reflected in the win percentages of the set and the fact that mm. there didn't need to be any erratus following the, the release of the set. So always a good sign, always mm-hmm. a good sign. Shall we talk about a couple of the mechanics we haven't got around to? Um, yeah, for sure. What was gigantic, Zach? And, and was it fun?
0: gigantic oh my gosh so they spoiled this a while back and here's the funny thing plenty of other card games have done this right it's one creature across two cards they came up with a handful of clarifying rules for how to how to manage that with other card effects that can target a creature it's one creature across two cards they're always they're usually huge and have some big fun sometimes strong effect and they always come with a card called it's coming it's got a uh, an amber pip and it says, you know, search for one half of a gigantic creature, put it into your hand, shuffle. Uh, oh my gosh, these are so fun. And I really feel like the consistency that they take up three cards in a 36 card deck. You've got one searching card that goes to get half of them. I really feel like they hit the right pace with how how hard these are to get out and what their power level is. Um of course, Niffle Kong, a, a bit weaker than the others, although I'd make an argument for a couple Niffle Kong setups that are pretty good. And then Ultra Gravitron, absolutely one of the favorites because you archive cards off the top of your deck. Five, I think, with it. And then you get to discard those to purge uh, just creatures when you want to. Uh, and then Deasilis which captures all your opponent's ember and can just do tons of splash damage. So I think, oh my gosh, I, I think they are a ton of fun. Um, because they're a creature that can always be removed. That's true of any creature though. So there's always a risk reward with creatures that they might get to reap, uh, but they might be destroyed, because your artifacts can't reap, your your actions can't reap. So um I think they were brilliant and a ton of fun. People have so many stories about about uh about uh their gigantic creatures that they found in decks that they've opened that they've played with. Um, they're a ton of fun. Sometimes they're in a competitive deck. I, I, I think I think they were they hit they were absolutely perfectly executed on in, in my in my opinion.
1: And I think you were having a joke at my expense on Twitter this week uh, around something rather <laughs> similar to this deck. Uh, would you like to enlighten our listeners?
0: Yes. So the joke was uh, so Kelly on Twitter, valocanth uh, Tamer Kelly. Uh, was replying to me on Twitter and said the greatest treasure of all, uh, of all, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> the greatest treasure of all is the combos that didn't fire along the way. And uh, I said, Oh yeah, that's uh, Ed's Keyforge mission statement. <laughs> it literally
1: is. I get so much joy from playing my own little game. I don't, I don't really find this whole winning thing that fun, but. If you give me a challenge, like I'm gonna get out a niffle Kong and I'm gonna feel like a god for a whole turn until the opponent destroys it, um with uh, some sort of well timed creature control. Um which which is which is sad, but I'll still feel like, you know, I've been you know, I've summoned an Egyptian god. Um and uh yeah, I, I, I will I will have the sense of achievement. Certainly gigantic creatures sure. uh are awesome to me. Although yeah. I'm sad that there weren't more of them, because there were only three. <laughs> and yes. do they really matter if you can buy 20 decks and not see one? Probably not.
0: Yeah, I did I did read about people being disappointed they bought a whole one or two displays and not getting a single one. So people people loved them just for the fun of them. Uh and I think that was great. I uh we had a question come in for this episode from, from Taleka said i want to know if you'll have any memorable gigantic creature plays or denials and what you think gigantic creatures might look like if they ever come back uh, i just want to see them i just want more of those big splashy effects that aren't quite too strong but make you go ooh when you see it and uh yeah just deeply themed for whatever house they're in i would love to see it in brobnar of course like i mean brobnar already has giants so i can't imagine what's gigantic to a brobnar giant. Brobnar you know. <laughs> a Khalifa like, dragon? What, what would be so big? <laughs> um, what, 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 what if it was Mega Mega Narp? <laughs> Ultra No other creatures can <laughs> reap. Reap gain four. <laughs>
1: oh, that's terrifying. Um, <sighs> but one of them was actually quite good. Ultra Gravitron has a... Um, win percentage of 56.8 it's up there with the top Mm. cards in the set yeah the other's not not quite so good but you know this one it it really did stand out so it suggests that if it's balanced well enough you know it can it can stand out in some decks Mm -hmm. anyway um
0: i i have had the most fun i'll have to say well, okay, two quick stories for Ostrom Teleka like here. Very quick. I've had a ton of fun with, with Niffle Kong. It's probably the, the gigantic I've had the most fun with at the table, especially when I get it with a bunch of Niffle Apes, because you might say, oh, you have a whole lot of Niffle Apes. That's not so fun. Um, but I've often or several times pulled it with Niffle Queens as well and the Niffle Kong goes and gets all Niffles. And sometimes that's like, between the Niffle Kong and all your Niffle Apes and your Queen, uh, that's like two-thirds, if not three-quarters, like most, maybe nine or even ten of your Untamed cards. Like, if you get Niffle Kong out, all of a sudden the rest of your deck is mostly just two houses. And I've had a lot of fun with that. Um, I've had a lot of fun with that across at least two different decks. And I will say, one of the best ways to cheese the Key Raken. She's the key raken in the, uh, the key raken co-op scenario is everybody bring Deosilis decks. Just everybody bring Deosilis decks and time out your Deosilises, get your Ludo out, then blow up your own Deosilis. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun. I, I would really love to try that at nightmare mode. <laughs> okay. That sounds <laughs> with awesome. New, with the new co-op modes. Yeah. That sounds yeah. really cool. So, yeah. I have had not a ton of competitive success with the gigantics, but the amount of success, of many, the amount of fun I've had with the gigantics is off the charts. Off the charts.
1: Now, there is another mechanic or theme or, yeah, I don't really know what to call it, that we haven't spoken about. And that is the titular mutations. Um, now, Zach, the fact that we haven't spoken about them yet, is that really kind of symbolic of the fact that they were essentially the the Meganarp of this set or did they work? Were, were they fun? What do you think? Were you happy to see mutants in your deck?
0: Uh, I was happy. I was always looking for that mutant synergy with Kerzap that blows up all non-mutants or Crystal Surge. I love the dynamic of how that plays in intra set versus out of set right um so i think i think that was great it was great as a theme i loved the through lines you see in things like uh doc booked in to helper bot to bot booked in like there's a whole whole story there right uh even senator shrix and worlds collide to citizen shrix what it tells a story there senator shrix spending captured amber as a politician uh and then they lose an election And they're stealing Amber. And the flavor text is like something like, after the election, everything changed. Um, It told a lot of really good stories while having a solid kind of thematic mechanical base. So while uh, a lot of those changes in the storylines weren't quite as flashy on the board, I think it was the perfect base for all of this other stuff to be built on. And I had a ton of fun with it. I love... I love, yeah, uh, uh, comm officer Kirby to subject Kirby. All of a sudden, he's a test subject. Um, yeah, there was a lot of fun, a lot of fun mini storylines in there that, uh, that really just make you feel connected to the world of the Crucible as much of a everything in the kitchen sink setting that it is. Like it, it worked, it worked.
1: Yeah, so true, so true. But all of the things you've focused on right now are the the flavorful uh, mutant creatures in the set, mm-hmm. not necessarily yeah. the ones that sat between the different houses. So um, for, for, oh. for any listeners new to this, they, yeah. they eat, there was essentially a kind of round of different cards where you had, um, say, a Sanctum and a Logos hybrid, a Dis and a Shadows hybrid. Every house pairing had its own hybrid. Um, that's right, and that's right. Yeah. If I'm honest, Zach, I absolutely <laughs> loved the mutations. I loved really? Rand Penny. I loved all of that stuff. But those house-pairing mut- mutants, really, I just found quite underwhelming.
0: Sure, I can see that. Uh, a number of them, somebody figured out the math, right? Because basically what happens is you start with a blank four-power creature, and then depending on what houses you add or subtract, power, armor, and abilities and uh, yeah, there were some real stinkers. Like there were two different ones that just ended up as a three power creature with Elusive and Skirmish, uh, which we already had that in Shadows in Worlds Collide. And it was just, it just felt boring. It was like, oh, there is a vanilla creature. There is a, you know, there is a 2-2 two, two for two bear <laughs> in, in Keyforge and it's these creatures. Yeah, I just but don't some think Keyforge
1: does vanilla. Like, or at least... Like the vanilla ice cream of KeyForge Forge is um, the kind of Cornish clotted cream ice cream, which is <laughs> for any Americans listening to this. I know you're a clotted cream man, Zach, but anyone I am, I in am. the US who hasn't heard of clotted cream, you need to sort of, you know, get, get, get the uh, kind of black market smuggling ring for, for clotted cream out of, out of the Southwest of the UK, because, you know, frankly, you you don't know what you're missing out on. Anyway, um. With that in mind, I think we've we've covered off a lot of the main themes of the set. We've covered off a lot of the main mechanics. Shall we go into our very real? I've got some awards in front of me here, Zach. They are they're real, they exist. It's it's a compass of discovery, and um we're gonna reward them to certain cards.
0: <laughs> so Ed jokes, um, but uh Sky Jedi wanted to make a liar out of us, and so he did. Uh, He actually 3D printed the Call of Discovery Compass Award. So, Ed, I am, I I kid you not, full seriousness, am holding the Golden Compass of Discovery in my hands right now. Like, I know you were joking, and I might have told you about this like two year and a half, two years ago when Sky sent this to us, Uh, but I legit have the award in my hands. I'll have to post a photo.
1: I don't um, believe it's you. It's pretty
0: amazing. I don't believe you. I th- I have photos. It's been in the background of uh, the stream when I was streaming the SAS Climb. It's 100% real. Hold on, listener. I might literally have to send Ed a text message mid-recording here. Um, yeah,
1: two and a half years uh, of building
0: trust, Zach. And you're lying to me <laughs> now. <laughs> no, it's real. Okay, yeah, I'm just going like, to manipulate my my phone. Uh, Manipulate my phone live on the micro... Oh, gosh. Oh, my case doesn't... Okay, hold on. I'm a really old man when it comes to technology. Here we go. Yeah, me too. Okay, okay. It has been sent to my co-host, dear listener. He is seeing the evidence that the golden compass of discovery is indeed a real, actual, physical object.
1: Yeah, but is it? Or are you just really good at Photoshop? Oh my gosh, Ed.
0: Wow. I'm wow. calling a deep fake. <laughs> if we're Ed Ed, if we're gonna question that, I don't know if you're real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well when I did meet Blake,
1: he was he was wondering whether he should be meeting people that he's met on the internet. Um, <laughs> um oh. But I do exist. I am I am real. You're just
0: the, the UK's premier AI AI experiment.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, which unfortunately
1: was no, I'm not no. Sorry, I was gonna make an EU funding joke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> but, where it all went. But that's a different podcast. Um anyways, Call of Discovery <laughs> Awards. Uh, Ed, I believe you're gonna present these uh and then uh I am our illustrious. Uh, illustrious judge group of one person absolutely right? of one person
1: and you know we've taken a very robust democratic approach to uh finding our shortlist um we've we've searched far and wide we've uh we've democratically asked everyone um by everyone i mean my cat and my cat <laughs> is really the only person that matters here so, um, yeah, my cat is a person. I will fight you if you disagree. Um, so, anyway, we've got three in a short list for each, each category. And the first category, Zach, is most infamous card. As I've already said, there weren't as many here as we've had in previous sets, just because there wasn't really so much drama. But the first one, we've got Dark Amber Vault um, with its nice 56% win record and that is a card (laughs) that says it's an artifact it can come in any house and it looks good in any house as well and it it says after you play a mutant creature um it's not like mutants matter in this set or anything uh draw a card um each friendly mutant creature gets two plus power so it, it's it's mm-hmm. a really cool card. It's a really, really cool card. So it's, an art, it's another artifact, as many of these seem to be. And it says, play, name a card until Eaton's Jar leaves play. Cards with that name cannot be played. So it's a really good card for targeting different things that your opponent wants to do, really rewarding people for understanding, knowing the meta, knowing the game. And three the sins we haven't mentioned them yet i mean Mm. really
0: (laughs) i could there was so much fun in the set we can't get to it all in one episode
1: (laughs) well exactly and and that's why there was a whole year's worth of discovery in the set right um it did a really good job with that zach is there anything missing here is there anything infamous that you don't think i've covered
0: I think uh, I think this covers it pretty well. I think this covers it pretty well. Uh, as far as the competitive end, I think some people might mention Cronus, but I'm not too worried. Uh, in the company of Dav, Eaton's Jar, and, and the, the Sins. I would say the Sins are, are very chase, and they're a lot of fun. Uh, and there are certainly, I think, some competitive Sins lists, um, but I think it's going to be between Eaton's Jar and, and Dark Amber Vault here. Uh, but the Sins were just such a cool idea, getting a minimum of three, a maximum of seven, which there's such a small number of decks with all seven Sins. Um, they're just very cool designs. Very cool designs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and for me, the, the term infamous might mean I'm chasing after this. So the, oh, sure. uh, the Four sure. Knights and Sanctum, that's kind of that same vibe, isn't it? it? They weren't really making much of a difference, but they would chase you wanted them you wanted a copy of those cards so what's your choice
0: for most infamous card i i'm gonna have to go with with dark amber vault because eaton's jar is it's straightforward it's very good it's gr- a great thing to have in in a deck where you're looking at deck lists right making a strategic choice uh all that short sort of thing uh shout out to uh Helena, a deck owned by uh, Zermis uh, over on the Nordic Keyforge podcast, which makes great use of Eaton's Jar. That's a brilliant card, but I think Dav is just oppressive. Dav, like Eaton's Jar, you know what it does. You go, ah, dang it. Okay, I can't play this card. Dav just makes you Eaton's Jar makes you grunt. Dav makes you cry. Dav, Dav gives speed where there shouldn't be speed. Dav gives extra power. Uh, so you just have more removal options. Uh, Dark Amber Vault is is just nasty. Dark Amber Vault is just nasty. Uh, when we tossed this out, Jake Friedman, uh, formerly of Sanctimonious, now of Decision Space, said, "Talk me off the ledge about the design of Dav." I'm like, Jake, I don't know if I can, man. I don't know if I can. I think, I think you're gonna just teeter off, teeter off that despair ledge about Dav. Thank goodness it's like ultra rare. <laughs> so um yes i don't i don't know if i'm ready to call it like a a too strong design mistake uh i don't i don't think it's quite that bad but um i think it's absolutely nasty strong absolutely nasty so that's my call dark amber vault the the thematic heart uh the thematic heart of the set and also one of its, its most oppressive mechanical pieces
1: Awesome. Uh, so next category, Zach, we have got drum roll, please. Best art. Um, <laughs> my and, favorite and- podcast
0: category. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See what he did there. See what he did there. <laughs>
0: um.
1: So yeah, best art. Uh, we've got hapless cadet, the cat. That's also a Star Alliance uh, mm-hmm. member. Um, we've got the monuments, which were a cycle of cards in Sarian. That's and right. And we've got reclaimed by nature, which kind of looks like a monument in Untamed. Um, <laughs> right. just my love for for landscapes <laughs> on show there. <laughs> Um, in
0: in fact, I uh, I suspect that's modeled after the Sarian monuments because it looks very Sarian. <laughs> There's kind of a dinosaur chicken esque leg coming out. I think that's a direct reference to the Sarian monuments there.
1: I, I think so too. I think yeah. so. honestly, yeah. it was quite quite hard choosing ones on here because the standard of art in this set just was was really quite high. Or yeah. there was it was it had a kind of sheen of they knew exactly what they wanted in terms of art direction and they'd gone out to get it. Now, you know, you could say that's an awesome thing. You could say that might stifle some sort of um designs that you know would be would be really memorable, but yeah, it was it was just all of a really, really good quality. Um but what's of your course. winner?
0: Oh my goodness. My winner.
1: And, and Zach, uh, just think about the artists whose hearts you're going to be breaking by not going with their designs.
0: You might, well, you
1: might need some letters of forgiveness. Uh, uh, uh,
0: there, <laughs> there is uh, Michel Giorgi. Uh, I believe he may, he may be. I don't. He may be French, but he he is getting a lot of big. Uh, he doesn't need. He doesn't need my validation. He's getting a lot of big Magic the Gathering work right now uh natalie russo who did the monuments has had a praise showered upon her before and i think because of the art direction here and how they pulled it off i'm gonna have to go with hapless cadet uh drawn illustrated beautifully by brandon hunt what i love about this is that there's very much a story and a moment being captured here in this brilliant purple, which just means it's going to maverick so well. Because it's this cat creature looking up with huge eyes. So they picked a creature that you can give these big expressive eyes to. It's a cadet who's picking up their pistol. Their whole other party is behind them in this cave. And this cadet is terrified by something out of frame. Like this this card is saying, there's something terrifying just, just out of here. Uh, and mechanically, it's quite a fun card. With three power taunt and then destroyed your opponent loses three. So a fun card, a useful card, and there's so much story going on that I just I just adore it. And so that is Hapless Cadet is my pick for best art.
1: Awesome. So we have two compasses given, two more to go. Uh, the next one is pushing design boundaries. Mm. Uh, this is thinking about the cards that are maybe be doing something that you can't do in other games. Uh, I mean, we've already kind of spoken about that. Or particularly for this set, maybe doing things that other sets haven't really been able to do before so we've got amphora captura capturing the um the enhancement we've got eaton's jar back again um because of its interesting naming convention giving the player the agency to to kind of and the flexibility to do what they want to do with it and then It's Coming, which is kind of essentially a tutor, if not a very, very focused one. What I mean by a tutor for those kind of un- uninitiated with card games or, or, or newer to them, um, it's something that collects a certain card or type of card from your deck.
0: Yes. Oh, for pushing design boundaries. Um, this one is pretty easy for me. It's pretty easy for me. I'm going to have to go with Amphora Captura because it is an enhancement focused card, giving a bunch of them and then giving you options based on enhancements and playing those enhancements. That's a, that's a pretty, a pretty easy pick for me. I love that is just further exploring the space, uh, that key forge, that key forge occupies with enhancements and doing something even more interesting and giving you choice with enhancements. So yeah. And for a capture all the way. Awesome. Oh
1: well, so we've got three winners, three lucky winners, one mm-hmm. one left. And this is possibly the most cool of discovery of <laughs> the lot. So Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, so we we have duh, 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 most flavorful cards, Zach. Ooh. So and oh my goodness, there are so many to choose from in this set. Um, with all of those mutants from past sets getting our our lore nerdiness out. Um, but So we've got Niffle Kong, who is the King Kong of the Niffle Apes. Um, we've got a Rad Penny. Um, and we've got a subject, Kirby. Mm. I do not envy your
0: choice oh oh my gosh uh so we have we have the 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 king kong card that goes and brings all of its apes with it literally we have rad penny who is the evolved form of the fan favorite and or fan least favorite bad penny the infamous or the famous uh and then who just keeps returning and stealing or subject kirby just a flipped version the flipped version of Calm Officer Kirby. Oh, man. Most flavorful. Thinking about both the flavor, just like in the art, in the name, the stories they tell, and also the stories they're telling with their mechanics, right? I'm going to have to go with Niffle Kong for most flavorful card. It it summons a, a not insignificant portion of your deck onto the board. Uh, you then... Uh, sacrifice niffle creatures to steal, deal damage, and blow stuff up, uh, which I see as Niffle Kong just chucking other niffles at things. Um, And it is yeah, it is an event when you play Niffle Kong and you go search up three, four, you know, niffle apes, niffle queens. It is an event when that's going well. So I'd, I'd have to go with Niffle Kong.
1: I think that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Although <laughs> I'm not the one that's going to have to deal with subject kirby and rad penny coming after
0: me why do you think i i picked uh i picked niffle kong so that it didn't get angry at me <laughs> <laughs> this is a good point it's a good point if you're gonna have there combined one three power that's one niffles worth of uh, of damage
1: <laughs> yeah and you've got what have you got on your side now you have a vase on your side
0: you have, <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've you got have an, old, an old vase and a hapless cadet.
1: <laughs> and a dark amber uh, vault. You can at least hide yeah. in that. Um, yeah, yeah, there and, we go. Um, there we go. Good job you haven't annoyed two mutants that are going to be more powerful because, even <laughs> because right. of where oh, you're dear. hiding. Yeah, at least I'm
0: crystallized, Zach, for this episode. So it'll be even footing there.
1: Oh, yeah, you're a mutant too, yeah. of course. <laughs> um, anyway, talking through this, what do we think... I think in terms of it, it's all right looking at it now. And that's why we do this, right? We we look at it a couple of years or 18 months after the sets come out, which gives us time to sort of look back with a degree of objectivity that we maybe do not have when everything is shiny, exciting and new. But that does not mean, does it, Zach, that there isn't going to be more change over the past few years that the set is going to be more kind of instilled in history of, of, of Keyforge history of doing one certain thing. So, you know, certainly with this set, there is a low print run um, and we we may never see new new uh, decks printed from this set because Ghost Galaxy may not want to print more of the set. and We don't even know if they can because of some of those challenges. So, you know, first of all, Zach, how do you think, this set is going to go down in the next couple of years as we get new sets releasing and as much as you can know um and how do you think this set will play in alliance
0: i think i think this set is going to be a valuable and and coveted one in the game's future i think i i would guess this is all guesstimate right i i would guess that ghost galaxy won't go back to reprint older sets. I think they'll focus on the future sets, the natural excitement that's there. There's always going to be, I think, more demand for a brand new set than reprinting an old set as as much as, you know, and some of us, we, we had like $1 mass mutation sales. People who wanted a crap ton of mass mutation like me have a crap ton of mass mutation. So I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be reprinted, but that's just a guess. I think it will be coveted as far as competitive decks go decks with really fun enhancements uh, decks with really fun gigantic setups like the nivel kong ones i mentioned as well as things like the sins i have a number of sins decks that are just so cool and fun and i also think due to enhancements with how they fall uh, it looks like alliance uh, standard, you know, is is likely here to stay. We're still in the testing phase, of course, as of recording. But I think alliance standard is here to stay. And you could, there, there might be some infamous things you could pull off, uh, just pulling together three different house pods that are all just loaded, loaded with enhancements, where the car that gave the enhancement uh, isn't present, and so you don't have that drawback of that infomorph or that Gloriana's attendant. So. I think I think this set is going to have a really uh a really powerful presence going forward on a fun and collectible level because of gosh we I mean we we couldn't even get through all of the fun uh series and and sets of creatures and then the monuments and the sins and the gigantics and we couldn't even get through all that like we kept remembering more <laughs> as this episode went on and it's also Uh, a a set with a lot of strong decks so i think mass mutation is going to live large in the mind of many archons for some time to come i really look forward to the worlds collide versus called the archons style counters in uh competitive play let's say as we as we dream towards the 2023 tournament scene from where we're sitting here at the mics uh or at least i am so I think it's going to have a lot of staying power. But uh, what about you, Ed? From from your perspective as a KeyForge player, what what kind of what kind of value, what kind of future do you see Mass Mutation having for you? Because I know you're you're a little bit less uh, sweaty sweaty than I am.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think for me it's going to be discovery and ongoing discovery. I think you know we'll we'll get to this in Dark Tidings, but I think Dark Tidings will probably have a bit less of a tail for me because. It's it's very complex. There's a lot to think about. And I don't know, mass mutation kind of hits that sweet spot a lot more where there's a lot of stuff going on, but it's not so complex that it's not relaxing. Um so I think there's decks to rediscover in mass mutation. I think there's more things to discover and I think other things are going to become more powerful. Maybe Eaton's Jar for instance might really come into its own with a particular meta in 5 years time. Um mm. so we just we just don't know and that's quite that's quite exciting. Having said that, I think there's going to be a Europe and US divide here because whilst, you know, you had access to Pound <laughs> or one dollar decks of, of, of mass mutation you know mm, we've been yeah. we've been paying premium for quite some time so yeah. i don't think you're going to be seeing many mass mutation decks in in europe and i kind of hope that the the kind of power creep of 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 new sets does uh, drown out a, a dominance of mass mutation to avoid there being a kind of a bias against you know people depending on where they live in the world. Uh, essentially, is how it's kind of how it's how it's how it's come out. So um, yeah, I, I'm sure Ghost Galaxy Games will will kind of stick the landing in terms of um, find finding and striking a good balance. Obviously, mm. it's impossible to strike perfection because. It's Keyforge. There is a myriad of possibilities. It's the jungle. You can go so prepared. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, you can you can get still get bitten by a spider or something. So you you just don't know. You just don't know. But they're doing good. It's gonna be good. And I'm excited to see how, how Mass Mutation gets on in, in the new world. Um, very, very excited. I'm just excited to play the set more, to be honest. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, there's a lot of fun to be had with mass mutation. I I dig it. I really dig it. Well, I think that about does it for uh mass mass mutation. My gosh, I would not have thought it was over 2 years ago when this set came out, Ed. Um, I guess we've had it for a long time. It really has been I guess mass mutation has been a bit of my my favorite my Keyforge pandemic set, my little Keyforge security blanket through all the ups and downs of the last two years. So there's got a special spot in my heart, I think for sure. And dear listener, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Call of Discovery for uh, this retrospective. It was so nice to get back to this series. And gosh, this, this set's been out for two years now. I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll wait a bit, get another set or two out. And then of course, take a swing at dark tidings down the line, especially once that set has a chance to to breathe to breathe in the the, the tournament scene, maybe the local scene as as that picks up. Uh, And so thank you so much for tuning in and giving us a listen here at Call of Discovery. If you are willing and able to support us monetarily, our Patreon is linked below where you can join our Patreon-only Discord and get some hints about what our special guests are coming up. We've got uh, at least one very special guest on the docket and some other plans brewing that our Discord is going to hear about first. So that's pretty cool. Let us know what you'd like to see more or less of in future shows. We're very active on Twitter currently, and you can always email us at podcast at callupdiscovery.com. Leaving a review is always helpful as people come and check out podcasts. Tell your friends about it if you're trying to get them into KeyForge. We've got a couple episodes you could send them. Try that out. And of course, uh, make use of that new player guide on Archon Arcana. If you're a new player, go to the new player guide on Archon Arcana, the KeyForge wiki. If you're trying to make new players, well, save that link. Send it to a new player. But uh, most importantly, uh, most importantly, thank you so much for listening. Tell a friend about KeyForge. Get him to listen to Call of Discovery. And then you'll have answered the Call of Discovery. And I won't have to ask you, have you answered the Call of Discovery?